Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you as always. Join with me, co-host Lance Williams, and we're on a little bit earlier tonight. Hey, stuff happens, and we're we're happy to be talking about the Steelers, although a lot of people are not happy to be talking about the Steelers because they're pissed off that the team has lost two games in a row to the Denver Broncos, the San Diego Chargers, and they're worried about a trap game this Sunday when they go to Oakland. The last time the Steelers won in Oakland, Ben Roethlisberger was 13 years old. And so people are concerned. With that, I bring in Lance Williams. Lance, are you concerned, and how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. It's the holiday season. But I'm going to just go there already as soon as we start the game. Jeff, riddle me this. How could it be a trap game after you've lost two games in a row? No game is a trap game when you're on a losing streak. Trust me, the Raiders are getting the Steelers' absolute focus. Guess why? Because if the Steelers lose and by chance the Baltimore Ravens, and I believe they play the Kansas City Chiefs next win, guess who's in the wild card spot? The Pittsburgh Steelers. This is not a trap game. Stop it, people. Stop it. I agree with you 100%. Trap games, typically, in my opinion, if if you were to say, Jeff, define a trap game, I would say it's a game against a mediocre to bad team following a big win over a very good opponent. That would be my definition. I think some people view a trap game as losing to a team that you should win, that you should beat regardless of record, regardless of who you played the week prior. Do you agree with my definition, or do you have your own? Yeah, I agree with your definition, absolutely, 100%. You know what losing to a team that you should beat, you know what that's called? Playing in the National Football League. It happens every week. Okay, yeah. No. And so last week's game was tough. It was a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, I think because, uh, to me, at least, I can't speak for everyone, and I can't speak for you either, Lance. But when I think about the game last week, I, I think about how they didn't play up to their potential. And we talked about that ad nauseum in the post-game show. But not only that, there was too much influence by the officials. And I hate that. I hate when there's a crutch for the Steelers and their fan base to cling on to after a game. And that's what, exactly what I felt like. It's one thing if you, I felt the same way after the Patriots game last year in week 15 when Jesse James, we all know that story. We'll never forget that. But everyone was like, wow, the the officials, the refs screwed us and this screwed us. I'd rather a team go out and just beat the piss out of them and then you lose straight up than have two questionable penalties on two touchdowns for the Chargers. And now all of a sudden you're thinking, what if there were penalties called? You don't know what's going to happen. It's not necessarily a guarantee that would have scored a touchdown, but uh, I guess, Lance, let's go with your final thoughts on Week 13, the Chargers game. We've definitely had a long time to let it digest. And before we turn the page now to Week 14, what are your final thoughts on that game? Just a shitty loss. Just a real shitty loss. Bad play in all three phases at the wrong time. Just a shitty loss. And I think, it, I think you described it best on Sunday's show. It's one of those losses where literally all three phases were to blame and you can add the fourth phase coaching. It was one of those type of losses. But in the National Football League, you have to turn the page, put it in the past and focus on your next opponent. Because if you don't, 
you'll be cl- complaining, excuse me, about a bad Raider team pulling the quote-unquote upset in a trap game. Now, let me ask you this question before we move on to next week's game, this upcoming game. I cannot, for the life of me, maybe outside of New England games, remember so much discussion about a schematic decision made by a coach. Excuse me. And so I'm referring to when they played the Patriots, you always heard it. They need to play more man coverage. They need to play more man coverage. Tom Brady picks apart the zone. And so that always was the driving narrative after they play the Patriots and leading up to it. Since week 13, my goodness, everyone's talking about Keenan Allen in the slot. Keenan Allen in the slot. Who's covering Keenan Allen in the slot? Well, this many times it was a linebacker. This many times it was a safety, yada, yada, yada. My question for you, Lance, is with so much discussion being made over what the San Diego... Gosh, darn it, I did it again. The Los Angeles Chargers. (laughs) Um, uh, With so much discussion being made over what the Chargers did by moving Keenan Allen to the slot, do you think this exposed the Steelers, or do you buy what Mike Tomlin is selling in regards to the fact that he kind of chalked it up to Morgan Burnett wasn't available, Cameron Sutton wasn't available. If they have all their pieces to there, it's a different story. What what are your what's your take on this in terms of how teams attack the Steelers moving forward? I, I, I chalk it up to what the coach is saying, and you guys laughed at me. Jeff and, and and Neil laughed at me when I said that Morgan Burnett being out would be a huge absence. I did not laugh at you. I didn't laugh at you once. I did not. Okay, Just for the you, record, you you text laugh. <laughs> you lol <laughs> I mean, I think coach's point is solid but I will say this Keith Butler's decision to have John Bostic in on that play was ridiculous Mark Caballi of the Athletic put out a great stat about in 35 situations San Diego had not run the football the entire season so if you know that that's the trend and the tendency, there's no way you can put Bostic there because they're going to get Bostic one-on-one and they're going to beat them just like they did. There's no way you can put the player in that position. It's unfair to the player because he can't make that play. That's just not his skill set. So it was a bad decision by Keith Butler in that moment. But I agree with Coach Tomlin that if you have Morgan Burnett and you have Cam Sutton, you can match it up differently. They did not. And kudos to Ford. I think Ford played a solid game when targeted uh, against Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen only had 36 yards rushing, or excuse me, receiving. Now, I'm not certain if those 36 receiving yards resulted in multiple first downs, but he still held him to only 36 yards receiving. And, and that's, that's Yeoman's work for an inside linebacker. Yeah, I thought, I thought Ford played a great game, in my opinion, if if you've done if, if Ford's done anything, he's proven he should be playing more. Um, I'm not saying that he should be the starter. Um, I'm not saying that guys like Morgan Burnett shouldn't be coming in and taking him off the field from time to time in sub package football. Although I think Ford is a perfect sub package linebacker for who they have on their roster. We didn't do grades. We were a little bit uh, flummoxed after our that, that's a word for you. Uh, we were a little flabbergasted after the loss, and so we didn't do our typical grading in our post game show. But there were a couple players I wanted to ask you about. Fort was one of them. You don't have to give a solid grade, but just your opinion. You already answered the Fort question. 
My other question was Terrell Edmonds. Now, in my opinion, this is the first time we've seen the rookie flash. He did have an interception earlier in the season, but this was the first time that he's actually made more than one play in a game, in my opinion. He had a sack, several quarterback hits. He was seen to be around the football a lot. Maybe that's by happenstance. Maybe it's by design. Lance, what were your thoughts on Terrell Edmonds? I thought Edmonds played, if we were giving a, a grade, I thought Edmonds was, it was definitely above a three. And it's not because of the splash plays he made. It's, it's the plays that don't show up on TV. The young man was in the right positions. He was in the right positions consistently, and he was playing his responsibilities. And he looked like he was on page with what he was being asked to do. And in turn, that manifested itself in big plays because he was able to play with confidence and play fast. The kid is a hitter. He has the athletic ability to play the position. He's just not Derwin James. And most people will never be Derwin James. But I think Terrell Edmonds can be a solid player if he knows what to do because he has the athletic ability to make plays that we saw against San Diego. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I, I get stuck is – trying to and this is a damn near impossibility because if you would have asked me last year to project Artie Burns's career path I would have said it was looking up because he had been progressing year after year and now heck he might not even be on the roster any roster next year but it, it's tough for me to try to kind of project Terrell Edmonds where he might be because he is such a unique talent and ha has such a unique skill set but I agree with you I thought he had a good game I thought it was his best game as a professional so far to date all right so let, there's other there's one other person and I, I know that you watched some film there's one other person that I want you to give us our, your opinion and or grade on and that's the Randy Feetner slash Ben Roethlisberger offensive coordinator and I put them together because I feel like they're one and the same and we've talked about that before what were your thoughts on the play calling on Sunday? I, I just don't like when Ben throws the ball that much. I, I just don't like it. It doesn't feel balanced enough to me. Just ask yourself this, Jeff. What's the foundation of the Steeler offense? What can the Steelers do? I mean, what can they lean on? when nothing else isn't working and you need to move the football? I mean, what is it? What's the foundation piece of their offense? What's the sustaining element of their offense? If it's passing the football, then they're in trouble. I mean, the sustaining element in the past was the guy we're not going to mention getting touches via the running game or the passing game, more predominantly in the running game. But what did that do? Because he was so good, it compelled the superstar quarterback number seven to take his hands off the football, put the game into somebody else's hands who can sustain it and keep that offense moving. Right now, although the offense is explosive and it's much better in the red zone, I'm not saying it's a terrible offense by any means because they're scoring more points there's a lot of empty calories in terms of passing yards, but just what's the sustaining element of this offense? What can it hang its hat on? If it's passing the football, they're in trouble because they don't have a third wide receiver. And although the tight ends are solid, I don't think they scare anyone. No, yeah, you're right. 
if, if I were to give you a position, like you said, what's the sustaining element? And I agree with you that it should be a more balanced attack and maybe even a more run-heavy attack. Uh, we're going to talk about the running back position here in a second. If I were to pick a position, it would be the offensive line. That is, yes. to me, the sustaining element if we're talking positionally for this offense. I mean, they are that good. And I feel like they can run the ball on anyone because if you can do it against like the Baltimore Ravens, some of the best run defenses in the NFL, you can do it on anyone. You just have to commit to it. And I was very, very disappointed, I guess you would say, in the second half they didn't commit to the run with the lead that they had, the 16-point lead. And look, I get it. You can pinpoint those two holding calls, the one on Ramon Foster and the one on Villanueva, but those are just two drives. They had more drives than two in the second half, folks, and too many of them equated in incompletions, three and outs, and just really, in my opinion, really bad decision-making in terms of play calling. It wasn't Randy Feetner's finest moment. Um, I'm not going to say anything about Roethlisberger because anyone that's followed the show and or his career knows that when he gets the option, what is he going to do? He's going to sling the rock. Uh, he he says it all the time. He, he always talks about it, refers to himself as a gunslinger and stupid crap like that. Well, he that's what he does. So for me, it's the offensive line. They need to trust those guys up front. And even with Marcus Gilbert, who's still out, um, I think that Filer and or Chuck Sikorafor have proven that they can do whatever they want to do with the people they have in place. Because in, in, if there's a position where the standard truly is a standard, it's Mike Munchak's group. And that's the truth because he is. You know what, you know what they do with the with the running game? They just placate it. They run it because they can't pass it all the time. I mean, they're they're really apt to get away from it. You know, their attitude to the running game is sort of like, you know, giving your to your spouse or your significant other a pat on the ass when they really want a hug. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that's okay, but I really wanted a hug and some affection. You know, it's just like a pat on the ass or a pat on the head. They just placate the running game. And as good as Connor has played this year, he's not a top 10 NFL player like the other guy was. Because if the other guy doesn't get it, being a top 10 guy in the NFL in the best of his position, the media is like, well, why aren't you giving that guy the ball? He's the best player at his position in the National Football League. And, and, and when you have people ask, them, ask you that question, you can't logically say he shouldn't get it. But when it's Connor or, or, or Samuels or, or Ridley or any of these other guys, there's a built-in excuse. I'm a better player. It should run through me. And so it's going to be interesting how they balance out Ben's tendency, like you said, to gunsling. Because they're going to have to even this thing up. Or not even it up, so 50-50, but just balance it out more. Well, and, and the other thing is defenses have started to react to the, the running game for the Steelers differently as well. Um, when the Steelers go three wide, um, they are keeping players in the box, and um, it almost at times, I was stunned. I mean, the Chargers were basically daring the Steelers to throw the football, and like you said, there's a lot of fluff 
There's a lot of fluff passing yards in there that didn't necessarily equate to points. And if you get a team that can do two things well against Pittsburgh, this is where they struggle. Number one, stop the run. And number two, tackle their butts off. Both the teams they just played, Denver and L.A., tackled so well. And if you look at some of the statistics, the Steelers were at the top or near the top of yards after catch, and they weren't getting that yak because the tackling was so good. Derwin James, you think about Chris Harris Jr. from Denver, they, they were just re doing a great job tackling the football. And sometimes tackling as a skill gets overlooked. It shouldn't get overlooked in this instance. So um, those are the two things that I think. And so we'll talk about this a little bit more. But I think this is a good segue into our next, our, our Stat Geek segment. I know, Lance, you have a couple statistics to read off. I have a special stat again from Dave Schofield, friend of the show, writer for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Listen to this statistic because you talked about the pass and the run. This definitely applies. So listen up. On second downs, okay, on second down, the Steelers have the second fewest number of rushes, okay, in the NFL, the second fewest number of rushes. They're, they're only one behind Cincinnati, who has 76. While they have thrown more passes than anybody on second down. Okay, their breakdown for second down is 71% pass to 28%, 71.8 passing to 28.2 rushing. So again, on second downs, they, <laughs> they throw the ball almost 72% of the time. The league average on second down is about 60%. So it's not too far off. He said the thing is, the Steelers' average yards to go on second down is 7.81 yards, which is the 12th lowest in the league. So it's not like they're forced to throw because they're constantly in third and long or second and long situation. So, Lance, what are your thoughts on that stat? The quarterbacks likes to sling it. And if Dave can pick up on those numbers, trust me, every defensive coordinator in the National Football League knows what's up because you can break those down, those numbers down very easily through a website that we use. So that is an absolute tendency that I'm sure that defensive coordinators are playing to. And to that point, Jeff, I'm going to look and see formationally what the Steelers are doing on those second downs. Are they well, um, go ahead. You know, are they are, are they playing three wides? I mean, what are they doing? Are, are they staying in one heavy formation and still actually passing the football? Like what are they doing to kind of offset that tendency? Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, too, is that you, like you mentioned, all the coaching, all coaches, defensive coaches are going to have access to these simple statistics, except for Keith Butler, who hadn't figured out yet that the that the freaking Chargers don't run the ball on that down at all throughout the entire season. So, yeah, I guess some coaches might not. They're all privy to the knowledge, but that doesn't mean that they utilize it. So there you have that. Lance, do you have any stats for us tonight? I thought you did. I did. I think I, um, I I sent them to you, but but if you have another stat, jump into that while I take a look and try to find it. All right, sounds good. So, uh, Lance did send me a couple. Let me pull them up here. Uh, here are some interesting statistics. This is what he was talking about with Mark Cavalli of The Athletic. 
that the Steelers went with their 3-4 base defense on the final third down against the Chargers that resulted in a John Bostic situation covering Keenan Allen. It was a significant play in the game. They used their run-stopping defense. The only kicker to that is the Chargers had not run once on third and three to five yards this year out of 32 opportunities. Okay, the next one is, um, let's see here. Despite what James Conner has done, and he's done a good job, the Steelers rank dead last in the AFC and 29th in the NFL in rushing. Only seven teams average under 100 yards per game. The Steelers are one of them, averaging 93.1 yards. That's pretty sad. Okay. You okay over there, Lance? Yeah, I'm okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. And then the next one, with, that, with the sack, and he's talking, this person's talking about Javon Hargrave. He now has six and a half sacks in 2018. That is the most sacks by a Steelers nose tackle in a single season in franchise history since sacks became an official statistic in 1982. So there you go, Lance. Those were your stats that you sent me. Um, some pretty telling stuff, everything from what we talked about with Keith Butler uh, the the running. I mean, everyone. I think everyone thinks of James Conner, who has over a thousand yards scrimmage yards. He's getting close to that one thousand yard plateau. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not running the ball well at all. And so that shouldn't come as a, a shock to anyone. And, and Javon Hargrave, what what the hell's gotten into him? Is, are, do you think they're doing? Are they doing anything different schematically with Javon Hargrave, or is he just winning his matchups? He's just kicking ass. There, there's a couple of plays where. His swim move that he used against uh, Pouncey, Mike Pouncey, was just awesome. I mean, he's he's just developed into a, a well of a ball player. But but the running stuff is interesting because when they committed to it, like you said, Jeff, they run it very well. It, it's just running the football is a rhythm that you have to develop. I think if you look at this offensive line, I think the strength of the unit for sure is pass protection. I mean, they're absolutely the best pass-protecting unit in the National Football League, no doubt. But I, I just think they have to run it a little bit more to round it out because the quarterback is turning the football over, and he's turned it over more than any other starter except for Sam Darnold, who's a rookie who I believe has 14 interceptions, and I think Ben has 13. And, and that's the most telling number, I, I think, of any number that's been stated on the program thus far. And I think with their minus one turnover ratio after Sunday, they're now at minus eight for the season in total turnover uh, ratio, which is just awful. Absolutely awful. But let's, uh, let's go ahead and segue now into our true, true or false segment. For those that have listened to the show or watched the show before, essentially that what this is, is we go through several statements. We debate whether it's true or false. And then we move on. Obviously, if you're watching this show live on YouTube, you can always chime in on what you think in the group chat. Or if you're watching this or listening to this on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you can feel free to talk about any of these topics in the comment section below this article. So first and foremost, let's talk about turnovers, true or false. Ben Roethlisberger will turn the ball over in Oakland on Sunday. True. He'll throw at least one interception because ah, they're going to okay. throw it 45-plus times. I mean, we know that they are, and we know 
when he throws it 45 plus times, it's going to be shaky. There, there are going to be some situations where he's going to force the ball into some situations. I, I, I think he throws at least one pick in this game. Okay. I'm going to say false. I think that Ben typically will have a game where he plays a clean brand of football. It's not often, but uh, this this Raiders defense is is not impressive. We'll put it that way. Um, I think that he plays a clean brand of football. I'm gonna. I, I'm actually thinking that the Steelers are gonna run the football a lot in this game. Maybe I don't think Ben will have 45, which is the next one. You already answered it, but let's debate it a little bit. Ben Roethlisberger will throw the ball 45 times or more on Sunday in Week 14. True or false? You think true? Go ahead and explain yourself. I think true. Uh, I, I think they're going. I mean, with the rotation that they're going to have at back with Ritley, Samuels. Um, I mean, I just think it behooves them in that situation to spread Oakland out because Oakland doesn't, you know, they don't rush the passer very well. I think the pass rush will be very minimal. And I think they have advantages across the board against the Oakland Raiders secondary where they can take the safe, slowly matriculated down the field approach and move the ball steadily. So I think there's going to be a lot of attempts not a lot of pushing it super aggressively downfield, but a lot of short to intermediate stuff. Yeah, I'm going to say false. I don't think that he has to throw it that many times. I think the Steelers get a lead in this game. I think they run the ball. I think Ridley um, and and Samuels both split carries, and I think that they do a good enough job to move the chains. And um, those two guys, uh, and we're going to talk about them here in a second, um, I don't think there's going to be – a gigantic drop-off for a lot of reasons. But let's get into Stephen Ridley, the next true or false statement. Stephen Ridley will get at least 15 carries, true or false? True. I think he'll carry the ball 15 times. I, I think true. Uh, I, I think they'll try it. I agree with you. I think they're going to run the football, uh, but I think they're going to get into a rhythm and get him into a lather, and I, and I think he'll run it. I think when you look at the two backs together, I think they'll run it maybe combined about 22 times. I'm guessing the Steelers will, I'm thinking 65 snaps plus, you know, probably on average, they probably run close to 65 or 70 snaps per game. So I, I think the backs will get about, you know, 20 to 22 rushing attempts. Okay. I'm going to say false. Just because rumor, or I don't know if it was an official report, but they said that Jalen Samuels is going to be considered the starter. Um, so I think he might see more early game snaps, and they'll kind of, I think the way that they're going to handle this, although they say it's running back by committee, is how Samuels running. Is he getting yardage? If he is, they're not going to take him out. That's just not how Tomlin rolls. He stays with the hot hand. Now, if Samuels comes out and he doesn't look good, he's not hitting the hole aggressively, he's not moving north and south, then I can see them going to Ridley but I'm going to hope that Samuels plays well. And if so, I don't think Bostic gets 15 carries on the day. Um, here's one that's kind of general, but I think it's a really good question. Um, the Steelers fan base is not, or the, I'm sorry, let me rephrase this. The Steelers fan base is still enthusiastic about the team moving forward. True or false? That's, I know I created this question and I, as I hear it, I'm like, I got to commit to, true or false i'm gonna say true i'm gonna say true because it's the holiday season it's the most wonderful time of the year 
you know, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Christmas. It, it, I would just stay positive and say yes. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have Dude, a reason. That is the most un. The, the, that that is not the. That's the best. The least convincing true I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> you're basically <laughs> saying you're basically saying false by the way you're saying true. Just so you know. I'm saying true. I'm saying true because the Steelers still have an opportunity to win a division and get in a dance. And once you get a dance, you got a chance. Ask everybody that's listening to the show that got their girlfriend. Be, be, the girl that they danced with at the dance became their girlfriend, and then the girlfriend became the wife. Sometimes when you get a dance, you got a chance. And so the Steelers just need to get a dance and get into the dance, and they'll have a chance. So I'm positive about this team. I, I just think they got to play a certain way, and, and I think we're going to see a positive result possibly, you know, against Oakland on Sunday. So, yes, that's the most – unconvincing true I've come up with <laughs> on this show. I am going to say true because I think that for the all the all the trolls that are on our the comments of our YouTube page at times that are on comments of the articles on behindthesteelcurtain.com for everyone that's saying fire the entire organization um, <laughs> players included the vast majority still realize this is a 7-4-1 team and that let's say even they do slip up down the stretch, they don't win the division, there is still a strong likelihood they will get in as a wild card. And like you said, you just have to get in. Do you want the home game? Absolutely you do. You don't want to lose to Oakland. You don't want to lose to the Patriots at home again. Um, but at the same time, you have to look at the big picture, and I think a lot of fans do. I still think that the Steelers fan base, just like a lot of fan bases, are very fickle. Uh, they can be very skeptical, rightly so. Um, and they can also be like a roller coaster um, but where they, they just kind of ride along. Instead of stopping and taking a look at the whole theme park, they're just worried about the ups and downs. And so right now they're in a valley. I have a good feeling that they're about to go back up. So uh, the last one here, and this is one that I'm curious on. I, I, we'll do twofold, okay? We'll say that the Steelers will get three sacks on David Carr. Or is it Derek Carr? Derek Whatever. Carr. They're both horrible. Anyways, um, the Steelers will get three sacks on Carr, and they won't give up a sack to the Raiders that have only had 10 sacks the entire season. True or false? True, true. I think I think so. True, true. I mean, if Khalil Mack was still there, I would say something different. But uh yeah, I think that there's no that this Steelers offensive line, if there's ever a game where you don't Ben Roethlisberger doesn't get touched. It's this one. Shouldn't well, he, happen. He, he, the pass rush doesn't get home. They get close. They just don't finish. He may get flushed a couple of times. He may get some pressures. Well, flushed hurries, and sacked but... are two different things. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they get home. I don't think okay. they, they they can't complete the play. They're, they're struggling to complete the play. But of course, you know they play on an infield, or it might not be an infield. No, they have it covered up now. They have it covered up. Yeah, once right. the grass now. once baseball season ends, they cover that up. So, okay, let's go over the injury report because it's significant, and I do want to I want to sound off on one of these idiots. That, anyways, um, here we go. The injury report after Wednesday: Ryan Switzer, who is in the concussion protocol, was a full participant. It's a good sign 
moving forward. But as I've said a million times on this show and in the written word on the website, anyone that knows anything about concussion protocol knows that him practicing today means nothing. Him practicing tomorrow means something. That means that he was did not have any symptoms and he's able to progress through the protocol. So he has to get through the whole week of practice without any taking a step backwards, but good step in the right direction. Joe Hayden didn't practice the coach's decision. James Conner has already been ruled out with his ankle. Rumor has it he'll be out for two weeks, which really, really stinks considering the Patriots come to town next week. Here's good news. Morgan Burnett, his back injury, he was a full participant. Um, Roosevelt Nick suffered a shoulder injury. He was a full participant. Pouncey had to, had the day off. Um, Anthony Chiquillo did not practice with an ankle. Uh, Cameron Kennedy, that's a long snapper. Never had to say his name on the show before. Uh, but he has a knee, but he was still a full participant and good to go. Antonio Brown was given the day off. I guess Ben Roethlisberger practiced, which is rare. He normally doesn't practice on Wednesday. He was not listed. And Marcus Gilbert, who's the a-hole that I want to talk about, with his knee injury, did not practice. Now, let me give you a little early WTF here, uh, Lance. Uh-oh. So Marcus Gilbert, I actually like Marcus Gilbert a lot as a player. I think that he's a great player. I think he's a really good right tackle. So the Steelers had a week seven bye week. He played in week six. They beat Cincinnati. They go on the bye week, and then he comes back, and he has this knee injury. And everyone's thinking, okay, he must have suffered that injury against Cincinnati. He had a week off. Give him a couple weeks. Guy hasn't seen the field since. We're going into week 14. Um, I guess my beef is not just with uh, with Gilbert, but also with the Steelers organization. If this joker is not going to come back this season, put his butt on injured reserve, get uh, Zach Banner up, who's another guy that they could pull up as an offensive tackle. I'm sick and tired of this guy missing so much time. He hasn't played. I don't think he's played a full 16-game season for a long time. I had this written down here. Let me look it up quickly. Um, he hasn't played 16 games since 2015, and he's only played in like eight games the last two years. I'm sorry, seven last season. He'll be lucky if he plays in seven games this year. Look, I understand injuries are injuries. This one is fishy. This one's fishy. I'm wondering, WTF. You want that offensive line solidified. Matt Filer is great. Chuck Sikorafor did a great job. But Marcus Gilbert was paid the big money to be on the field, to be available. Last year he had the PED suspension. I'm not sure what the hell's going on, but he better figure it out because they're going to need this guy down the stretch if they want to go where they want to go. So that's my WTF. Well, He's well tell us how off. you really feel, Jeff. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pissed because every time a Wednesday rolls around and I check this the website to see, or Twitter, wherever, to see the injury report, and I'm like, okay, Burnett's back. Good. There's certain names that you look for. And then I'm looking at Gilbert. He should be a limited participant at least. Did not practice. Goodness gracious. What the hell's going on? So it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe they've been saying the whole time, let's rest it. He'll come back before New England. I don't know. He needs to be back in the lineup is what I'm saying. I don't, so, I don't think the Steelers have been truthful about the injury. That's what I would guess, that the injury is probably far more severe than they've ever let on, and it's literally taking this long for him to get back. Having not looked at his contract and what the dead money will be next year if he gets waived, but th- that's an option. They're going to draft that position. You you have know, to. He, may be, he, he may be in Pittsburgh for a very limited time. Uh, moving forward, They're, they have their eye on that. And, and, and Filer, Feeler, uh, excuse the pronunciation, him playing well, and, and Chucks getting drafted, 
that might be the guy already that they drafted who's going to take, you know, maybe take his place. But, you know, if he can't stay healthy, you know, they may move on from him. Uh, but it will depend on what the contract hit is. And I have to look at over the cap. Maybe we'll talk about that on Sunday or maybe on next week's show. But the dead money charge is typically on over the cap. Yeah. So depending on what it is, if it's something that they feel like they can eat or absorb, particularly with them getting back all of the guy that I won't say his name, his money back, it might be something that they could eat. But I'm not not for certain what their cap situation is. But, you know, when you pay a guy that much money and he can't stay healthy, you know, what they always say is the best av- uh, ability is availability. And right now he's not available. Yep. Can't make the club from the tub, man. So, all right. Before we go into prediction time, I want to go over the AFC North slate of games before we predict the Steelers at Oakland. Uh, it's something I started to do a couple weeks ago. I like doing it. doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. We can just say who you like. Let's go for it. Cleveland Browns host the Carolina Panthers Sunday at 1 o'clock. Who you got in this one? I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. I hope Baker Mayfield, because of his big mouth, loses the rest of the games this year. <laughs> So you're not a Baker Mayfield fan, I take it. No, man, that guy's immature. That's not my WTF. I got another WTF, but Baker Mayfield's immature and double down on his immaturity. That guy's just learning. He's young and needs to learn that he needs to shut up. He hasn't done anything in the league. Be quiet. Well, if you're talking maturity with Baker Mayfield, I mean, that's something that uh, you you didn't have to look far to get that, if you know what I mean. So in terms of his time at Oklahoma. All right, so let's go to the next game. This is the big one. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, 1 o'clock start. Boy, is this game significant for the Steelers. Who do you got in this one? Pain. Pain. <laughs> What's your prediction for the fight club? Lang? Pain. Pain. I think it's going to be uh, – <laughs> I think Kansas City is going to win. I think Kansas City is going to uh, put foot to ass to Baltimore. I don't think Lamar Jackson can hold up against that offense. Pain, pain. Well, let, yeah, let me let me preface that. If you don't know what Lance is talking about, he's talking. You're referring to Rocky Three, yeah, um, where Rocky Balboa, Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T, they ask him what's his prediction for the fight, and his answer is just pain. But that's not my favorite Clubber Lang quote. It's actually what he says outside when they have the press conference where he's talking to Adrian. And he says, you want to know what it's like to be with a real woman? Come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be with a real man? Come and, come and see me. I'll show you what it's like to be a real man. Oh, my gosh. Love the Rocky movies. I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. If Lamar Jackson plays, look, this guy's been buoyed by defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns. Um, I don't think that necessarily happens in this game, especially on the road. Um, I think the Ravens' uh, little streak ends. I think the Chiefs win. Um and so there you have that. The Bengals at the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't. Do we really have to pick this? To, I mean, we both think the Char- Chargers, right? Absolutely. Okay. So let's get down to brass tacks. The Steelers at the Oakland Raiders. The Steelers, I believe, opened up as uh, something like 11 point, 11 and a half point favorites in this game. Um, they haven't won in the black hole in a long time. Like I said, Roethlisberger was 13 years old, and he's uh, 37 now, I think. So it's been a long time, and it's their last chance, at least in the foreseeable future, to win in Oakland. Lance, the the, the, the listeners of the show are, are waiting with bated breath 
to know what you're going to do when it comes to picking this game because they've lost two in a row. What happens? Well, just like my non-convincing true, when I really mean false, just because it's the holiday season, and I think that the fans of the show want me to pick it a certain way, I'm going to pick the Raiders in an upset. <laughs> the Raiders to win 28-24. Ben turns the ball over four times. The Steelers lose in a terrible fashion. And everybody yes. jumps off of yes. yes. Pittsburgh. Hey, for those that are watching on the YouTube, I'm fist pumping. Yes, because he's picking against the Steelers. Get him off the bandwagon. He doesn't belong here anyways. The Steelers are going to go into Oakland. They're going to win. I don't know what the hell the score is going to be. Haven't thought about it. I'll I'll release my score prediction tomorrow on the preview show. But um, already some people are chiming in saying thank you so much, Lance. We, we You're welcome. <laughs> you are very welcome. I'm oh, taking good. a bow. You can't see it, but I'm taking a bow. You're very welcome. Okay, we only have a few minutes left. I know Lance has got to bounce. But I do want to, uh, I do want to have just a couple quick questions and see if we have anyone that's out there uh, that wants to know. Okay, someone said if we lose to Oakland, do the Steelers deserve to be in the playoffs? Yes, they do if they get there. Yeah, because if they get there, that means they had to beat New England and or the Saints and the Bengals. So absolutely, they deserve to get there. Look, no one apologizes for making the playoffs. I mean, do you remember the year that, what was it, a 7-9 and nine Carolina Panthers team made the playoffs? No, it was the Seahawks, I think. The, the NFC West was awful. And it was like a 7-9 and nine team made the playoffs. And guess what? They won their first playoff game. No one apologizes for making the playoffs, just like no one should apologize for winning a football game. So, yes, if you get in, you get in. You deserve to get in. Um, do you see Samuels, Jalen Samuels, the running back, as the X factor in this game? Maybe he's the J factor because his first name starts with the J. I see what you did there. That was pretty creative. I gotta get. I gotta give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, is Eli Rogers going to come back this season? Um, and no. Could, okay, so you say no. Well, they have twenty-one days. I think they've already had seven go by, so they have two weeks left to make a decision on him. And you think no, they don't activate him. Uh, it, it kind of depends on, I think, Washington as well. I, I don't know. I think it's a tough call with Eli Rogers. I, I just don't think he's going to make it back. Okay. Yeah, I, th I think if he is kind of like their their last feather in their cap that they can use if they need him, um, especially with uh, Switzer, his injury and the concussion. We'll see how that plays out. Um, let's hear Jimmy asks a question of with, with Burnett and Sutton out last week. With them back, will they make a splash in the defense this week? Well, I'll go ahead and go first. There is no splash in this defense. This defense does one thing and one thing well, and that's sack the quarterback as they lead the NFL in that sack. They don't splash crap. They, my my kids splash more in the bathtub than these guys splash on the football field. So, uh, Lance, there ain't no splash. Do you have anything to add to that? There ain't no splash. No. Now, um, 
lot of people like LJ Force. Hey, I'll tell you what, Lance. I know you said you had a WTF. You want to save it, or you want to go ahead and say that now? I'll save it. I'll save it for Sunday. I think I'll just tease it a little bit by saying women should feel safe at games. Oh, boy. I know what you're talking about. Okay. I agree with you. I know where you're going. We'll bring it up on Sunday for sure. But, hey, I'll tell you what, Lance. Thanks for your time. I know you got to go. You can go. For those that are listening, that are watching, I should say, make sure you follow us on all of our podcast platforms. That's Art19. That's Stitch. That is, uh, you name it. It's it's all over the place. We're iTunes, Spotify. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.